I don't believe in no one's scenarios. Data, 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 I cannot make bricks without clay. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a special Cheeky Scientist radio show. This is Isaiah Henkel, and today we are talking about fear-based behaviors that get PhDs rejected in their job search. One question I've been asking myself and Team Cheeky and I have been digging into a lot over these last few months is why so many PhDs are stagnant in their job search. The reason we are asking this is because there is a shortage of labor in many job markets worldwide, including higher level jobs, as high as data scientist, medical science liaison, and beyond. Those are some of the highest paying careers for PhDs, exclusively in many cases for PhDs right now. We've talked a lot about this, yet so many PhDs are hesitating in their job search. What is the reason for this behavior? What is, what is the underlying fear for this behavior? I think the word fear for a lot of PhDs it can be off-putting. It sounds a little bit too emotional, but we're all human. We all have emotions. We're driven by emotion. Uh, I don't understand currently why any PhD would stay in academia anymore. But then again, I think back to when I was in academia. Why, why did I get my PhD in the first place? I, I wanted to have an impact on humanity, an impact in general. I wanted to do something that mattered. You're probably the same way. And you get into the academic world, the ivory tower, it gets pretty isolated. You adjust to academia. Right? Your language changes, your nomenclature, your behavior changes. What's valued is different in academia than in industry. There's different social norms. I've talked about this recently on our radio show. As PhDs, we're very logical. We have incredible comprehension this is a key strength, the key transferable skill. Logically, any PhD can see how postdocs and PhD students are exploited by the academic system as cheap labor. Universities have fought governments in many different locations to prevent overtime pay for postdocs, just as one example. That's exploitation. Uh, yet many of these PhDs go as far as working for free after they defend their thesis, or they go into a postdoc which doesn't allow overtime, doesn't contribute to their retirement, and pays them peanuts, nothing. And that's when the self-justification occurs. I'm doing noble work. I'm doing important work. I can still be a professor. An adjunct professor is a real professor. I know I'm going to get emails about that one. Everyone is suffering right now. My career isn't really at a dead end. My PI wants what's best for me and isn't using me. Yeah, right. This is nonsense. If you logically thought about it, if you looked at the behavior, the actions of those within the academic system, you would come to the rational conclusion that staying a day, even a day after getting your PhD in academia makes no sense for your overall career. Emotionally, however, it makes sense that PhDs who have been isolated in academia for, I don't know, half a decade, a decade longer than a decade would freeze would freeze when it comes to their job search, right? Because emotionally, PhDs, we've been indoctrinated to think, okay, an academic paper is all that matters. Think about this. This is how small 
our mindset becomes an academia. We, we fight for the order of the authorship. We fight for what order our name comes in in the authorship. That's it. That's how small the stakes are. In an academic paper, which, by the way, maybe dozens of people will read. For most PhDs, that's the hard truth. Not only that, but most of the experiments, the data, or the findings will not even be reproducible. Now, you can look up, even in nature, cell science, etc., the data on irreproducibility irre in academia. 60% on the low end, up to 90% on the high end, cannot be reproduced. The findings cannot be reproduced in another lab. So I'm just, I'm explaining this to you. So how emotionally involved are you in justifying yourself in academia? Now, as human beings, if you look into the behavioral psychology of this, there's a lot of uh, data that's published, whether or not it's reproducible, <laughs> a lot of data that's published saying that we justify to uh, allow ourselves to operate uh, more effectively, right? If we walked around every day being miserable, that doesn't make a lot of sense for our survival, right? So we justify, okay, I'm, I'm staying in this postdoc because it makes sense for my unique situation. But you have to challenge yourself. So it's okay. You don't want to live in misery, but you have to challenge yourself. You have to look at where you're going. Look at those that are five years ahead of you, 10 years ahead of you, not like the one person, the 0.001% that might have got into a tenured position and wasn't kicked out during the pandemic. But where, where do most PhDs, where, where are most PhDs that are five years ahead of you? Likely not a place you want to be in academia. So why are you hesitating? Why have you not done more for your job search? If you were really challenged, if you really recorded and documented in a notebook your time, the time that you've spent and not the time that you've spent thinking about it, the time you've actually spent executing in the real world. How much actual time have you spent rewriting your resume, where you were writing, typing, like if you recorded your typing time, if you recorded the time where you typed on a computer reaching out, just, just the time on your computer, there's apps that do this, how much time would you accumulate during a week? You, you think, right? Because we feel, right? We, we feel like, oh, it's got to be hours, maybe, maybe 10, 20 hours a week. Most often, 20 minutes, hour and a half. My question is though, why? What anxiety, what fear, what, what is keeping, what is making you hesitate? I've worked with tens of thousands of PhDs directly, and I see the same patterns time and time again. And I'm using the word fear here because that's what it is. We have two types of fear, two types of fear that we have to deal with. There's a, a, a huge body of research on this. You can look it up yourself. The two types of fear are fear of failure and fear of fatigue. What I'm going to talk about here is how these fears are manifested and how they uh, change your behavior. You've heard me already say multiple times, hesitancy. You will become more hesitant when you're uncertain about a course of action. Why? You're afraid you're going to fail on that course of action, and you're afraid of fatigue, of wasting your resources in that course of action. How does this manifest more specifically for PhDs? Self-awareness is important. Self-awareness is a transferable skill. We call it in industry professional awareness. We interview somebody in industry, and that person has no professional awareness. 
they don't look the person in the eye they're talking to. They don't acknowledge everybody on the panel interview. They talk to somebody when that person that they're working with isn't looking at them and their body language is saying, please leave me alone right now, but they keep talking. They come across as arrogant without realizing it or awkward without realizing it, or maybe they realize it and don't do anything about it. Professional awareness is important. Fear is a very bad advisor. You thought your academic advisor had bad advice for your career? Wait until fear starts advising you. Here's fear's best advice. Be desperate. <laughs> Second best advice. Hi, I'm fear. Second best advice I have for you. Do nothing. Right? So, I mean, this is the situation that I was in. My last year of graduate school, I forgot to spend any time whatsoever on my job search. Oh, I'm about to defend. I have a great idea. I'll spam hundreds of people on LinkedIn and I'll ask them to help me get hired. I'll talk about myself and my messages and send out messages with my resume attached and say, hey, please look at this. Genius. Not so much. Or I know I'll, I'll just upload hundreds and hundreds of resumes because nobody else thought to do that. And as a PhD, I'm the only one with the stamina and the, the intelligence to upload hundreds of resumes. Are you kidding? You don't think everybody does this? It's the, one of the most foolish things you can do. A waste of time. That's your job search strategy. It was mine. Is it yours? Spray and pray. Upload and beg. Trial and error. Here's the problem with trial and error in your job search. There's a cost. I've been trying to communicate this more and more because PhDs think, oh, I can just kind of play around in my job search. No, you can't. Every time you apply online and your application is considered but objected, uh, excuse me, rejected, you may never be notified. But on the back end, in the applicant tracking system software, you will be marked as having been considered. And for many companies, you will be eliminated from consideration for any other role at the company for six to 12 months, depending on the company. Oops. Guess you should have got the training you needed to know how a job search works, to know the risks, to know how not to burn bridges. Feeling frustrated yet? Confused? That's good. Those emotions will drive you to take action, but fear-based emotions will drive you to take actions that are wrong. Misguided behavior, because fear is a bad advisor. So let's talk about what these fears are. So the behaviors... I've discussed what are the, the fear-based behaviors. Hesitancy at best, doing nothing at worst. That's where many of you are. Doing nothing, next to nothing. Think of the volume of work you do in academia. It's a lot. Think about later in your graduate school career when you're a postdoc, just the amount of research and experimentation that you're doing, the, the amount of findings that you're, that you're getting compared to maybe your first year as a graduate student. Or compare it to yourself an undergrad, if you ever had an undergrad lab. What a joke those were looking back, right? Why don't you take that same kind of action? Why don't you execute at that level in your job search when it's your career and when you can get paid two, three, four, five times as much as you're getting paid right now, depending on if you're a stip on a stipend, a fellowship, certainly if you're working for free. All right, so again, know thyself understand what's driving your behavior. The final behavior we talked about, of course, 
was desperation, going into desperate mode, reaching out to people, talking about yourself. Your, your entire worldview shrinks to the size of a quarter. What you need right now, I need a job right now. So everybody reach out to is an entire paragraph, but all of your skills, asking them to get you hired, attaching your resume. You have no time to send something first about them to add value first and to wait for them to get back at you. You're just spamming people. But again, what's causing all of these behaviors? Two types of fears are ca causing them. Fear of failure, fear of fatigue. Now, for PhDs, I've noticed that the uh, fear of failure most often manifests as a fear of embarrassment, as in looking stupid. The embarrassment of having fewer accolades than another PhD, being called out at a, uh, a lab meeting. Uh, or uh, being called out by your PI on your one-on-one -on -one meetings, your academic advisor, standing up in front of your thesis committee and getting eviscerated in terms of your strategy or your logic. The embarrassment of, I don't know, your entire academic career being a mistake. All right, so this fear of embarrassment, this fear of, of embarrassment is something that as PhDs can drive Another type of behavior, posturing. What does that mean? It means acting like you already have industry experience when you don't have any. If fake it until you make it is your job search strategy, you are in trouble. It is much better to be the eager student in your job search than somebody who's pretending to have industry experience. We pretend even by changing uh, our, our title, our academic title to PhD student or graduate student to graduate research assistant, that is posturing. Posturing is a social norm in academia, right? The, the introductions are, are uh, very fluffy. There's lots of posturing in the introduction if, you know, in every academic seminar you go to. Everything's made to be a big deal because nothing's a big deal at all. The often repeated quote, academic politics are so vicious precisely because the stakes are so small has never been more true for PhDs. I don't know, that quote's been uh, attributed to Wallace Sayer, Henry Kissinger, Charles Frankel. Either way, I can't think of a better mantra for why PhDs are so hesitant in their job search. They're afraid of their efforts being scrutinized. I was. I felt stupid because I had invested so much time into academia, getting my PhD, and now nobody was even responding to my resume. So I had to posture and pretend that, I don't know, it was their mistake that everything was fine. And whose scrutiny I was trying to escape more than anybody else's was my own. In academia, we're taught to be highly critical of information and data, but often this bleeds into being critical of ourselves and other people. Right? We get used to being overworked, underpaid, not as far along in our careers as we thought we would be, so we push others down, push ourselves down even, and that's, that's the way of academia. That's a social norm. And we spend all of this energy doing this instead of taking our career into our own hands and aggressively going after an industry job. There's two other fears that, that are specific for PhDs. These fears, I believe, relate, relate more to the fear of fatigue. I talk to so many PhDs. I'm, I'm like, listen, if you just get a little bit of training, invest a little bit in yourself, invest a, invest a little bit in your training. You've invested very likely 
tens of thousands of dollars in your academic career, maybe undergrad tuition, other expenses, of course, for graduate school, hundreds of thousands of dollars for some, for many, and they can't fathom investing even a few hundred dollars in training for their job search. No mentorship, no nothing. They just want free advice, whatever they can skim online. They think they'll figure it out on their own. It makes no sense to me. And I think this misguided behavior, this I can do it all by myself, even though just to get into a, a postdoc or to graduate school, I had to have how many mentors? How much did I have to spend? Yet I'm, I'm done now. I, I don't want to do anything else. So I'm just going to dabble, trial and error, ask for free help. Makes no sense to me. And I think, again, this is guided by two fears that are specific for PhDs. Number one, the fear of the unknown. Stay with me here. PhDs deal in uncertainty, but only when it comes to their work, their academic work. They are tested rigorously from their first year of graduate school right, to logically test unlimited amounts of ambiguity in the natural world. They live in the unknown in their fields. They drive hard daily, right? We do to discover puzzle pieces that will help them answer these tightly defined questions, right? Hypotheses. Here's the problem. Every human being, yes, even PhDs, need both uncertainty and certainty in their life to feel mentally balanced. I'll repeat that. Every person needs both uncertainty and certainty. So variety and certainty in their life to feel mentally balanced. Now, the person whose relationships, let's say, or their finances or their health, or all of them are highly stable, is often able to take more risk in their career. You'll notice this. While the person whose career is highly stable, maybe they're very successful in their careers even, they're often able to take more risk, and they do in their relationships, right? There's some scandal for some CEO or from high, some high-ranking politician, or they take more risks financially, or perhaps they take more risk in their health. You see that all the time. Now, I believe this is why so many PhDs cling on to intense levels of certainty in their relationships, their health, and or their career status, right? Even if that career status is a very poor career status, like a postdoc, they deal with so much uncertainty in their academic work that they need these areas of certainty to feel balanced. That's what is keeping you from diving into the unknown in your job search because you have to dive into the unknown in your academic work every day. What's the solution? What's the solution? The solution is to deprioritize your academic work. <gasps> yes, deprioritize your academic work. You can have multiple priorities, but deprioritize your academic work and prioritize your job search. Stop putting your PI's career first and put your career first. Take more and more risk in your job search by going more and more in and pull back just a little bit in terms of your academic work. That shift, right, you'll allow, and, and slowly, here's, here's the part that's interesting, is you'll gain more certainty as you do that in your job search. And as you prioritize your job search more and more, You'll have a healthier, a healthier levels of certainty in your job search, uh, as well as any certainty that you need in your academic work, because you're leaving it behind. Right. So you 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 need to start being certain that you're leaving your academic career behind.
So just think about this. Play with the idea of certainty and uncertainty. Ask yourself in your life currently, where do you have the highest levels of certainty? Where do you have the lowest levels of certainty? If you have a uh, very little certainty in your academic work, whether it's just through the process of discovery where you're diving into the unknown every day, where there's very high levels of uncertainty because you don't know where your career is going, that can hold you back from going into more uncertainty, but you need to. Just realize it's short-term. Everybody has to be a student of their job search to start. Finally, I want to talk about the fear of waste. The PhDs that I work with, most of them, they're, they're like the opposite of hoarders, right? They don't like a lot of waste. They don't want to spend a lot of time doing something that's not going to pay off. They don't even like owning things that there's no utility for. Most PhDs, again, I work for can't stand waste. They hate the thought of investing heavily into projects now outside of their academic work without a guarantee it'll pay off. In life, here's the problem. There's no guarantees. There's no guarantee in your job search. You can't just dip your toe in and poof, get all these job offers. An employer does not want to hire somebody who is not fully committed to that job, certainly not for a PhD level salary. So as PhDs, we have compiled obscene amounts of waste in terms of our thesis work to graduate, right? Think of all the experiments, tests, projects, the findings that you've completed, right? The negative findings, how monstrous, right? Would this pile of waste be? But it wasn't really waste. You rationalized, and I think correctly, as did I, that even negative findings helped you figure out which direction to head in your thesis work. Yeah, with your job search, your overall career, you're terrified to veer off the beaten path. Why? Right? Because beating a new path, right, would take a lot of energy. But I don't want to. I don't want to invest. I hear this all the time from PhDs who come into our cheeky scientist association program. Before they start training, they ask, can I have a guarantee this is going to pay off? So we give every guarantee imaginable. But every PhD is like, well, I want, I, want the, I want the job before I get the training. Please, like you're a doctor of philosophy. Go back to the basics of philosophy. Uh, starts with the law of identity and then the law of causality. Okay, You can't get the result before you have the cause of the result. You need to get the training first. You can't get a job without doing the work necessary for a job. So if you can't bear the thought of giving intense amounts of effort to a job search, unless you have a guarantee it'll pay off, unless you have a job beforehand, you're not committing yourself to your job search. The whole point of a job search, the whole point of interviewing from an employer's perspective is to evaluate your commitment. Did you think it was really just about whether or not you had the skills? Really? You know that most of what you're doing right now in academia is being done by robotics and industry, by people with their bachelors and masters who are far cheaper to hire than you. And you thought you were, being evalu- you were going to get hired because you could do HPLC or you know Java. Really? Think about it. You can't dabble in an industry job search and get hired. You have to vigorously, ravenously go after the job you want and cast aside any waste you accumulate along the way, right? Document, learn from it, 
whatever negative findings, if you get rejected, whatever, forget about it after that. If you want to get hired faster, do more, not less when it comes to your job search. Double your rate of waste. Hopefully this helps you. Look, a job search is very unforgiving. Okay. It doesn't care about your fears. It, it'll make you believe that you're making progress. And then suddenly every door you thought was opened will close, right? Just, it'll do this just to test your resolve. Here's the good news. It's not a life or death matter. You're not going to die of shame after getting rejected. So don't brood about it for a week. Okay. It might hurt your precious PhD ego. It certainly did mine to hear no after no or nothing, complete silence after uploading your resume. But that's a good thing because over time, you'll be conditioned to strengthen your resolve in the face of that kind of temporary failure. You won't be embarrassed. You won't feel the need to posture. Okay. You won't feel the need to take a pause and just to, to think about what happened for a week before you do anything else in your job search. Instead, you'll simply learn from what happened and immediately move on. So if, you're, if you like the message of today's radio show, if, if it sounds like I'm talking to you, it's because I've been where you are. The PhDs that I've worked with in the association have been hired because they're able to get past all of these limiting beliefs, as well as get access to all the materials they need to execute a flawless job search that will result in getting hired with a pre-made job referral network as part of the world's largest platform dedicated to getting PhDs hired, the Cheeky Scientist Association. You can learn more about it at phdsgethired.com. That's an easy way. Uh, to go to the, the website where you can get on the wait list for the Cheeky Scientist Association. We'll send you free materials, invite you to free webinars where you can learn how to write your resume, write your LinkedIn profile, set up informational interviews, how to interview. Every aspect of a PhD level job search is covered. Now, I am starting to work with PhDs one-on-one -on -one again. I wanted to mention this. If you'd like to work with me one-on-one -on -one or, or you're interested in having a conversation about it, you can talk to one of our transition specialists by emailing support at cheekyscientist.com. Just put the word diamond in the subject line and Team Cheeky will get back to you. And if it's a good fit, set up a call uh, with you and one of our transition specialists just to brainstorm your career, your options, your challenges, and where you are stuck. As always, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. Isaiah Henkel, the founder of Cheeky Scientist and the creator of the Cheeky Scientist Association. I wanted to quickly tell you that memberships into the association are available to PhDs listening to Cheeky Scientist Radio by using the coupon code CheekyRadio at www.phdsgethired.com. That's phdsgethired.com, PhDs. G-E-T-H-I-R-E-D.com. Simply type phdsgethired.com into your website browser, scroll down to the orange membership button and click on it, then enter the coupon code CheekyRadio to get 20% off a lifetime membership now. That's CheekyRadio, C-H-E-E-K-Y-R-A-D-I-O. Remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. Are you worried about the rapidly shrinking job market? 
like me, have you been seeing more and more articles on universities shutting down their research labs, furloughing employees, cutting postdocs and TAs, and even withdrawing PhD student funding? If so, it might be wise to start taking steps to protect your PhD career. You've worked very hard and very intelligently for years to establish yourself, but likely you have not reached your full career potential yet. Perhaps you're not even getting respect and you're not getting the rewards that you deserve. The good news is you can get into an industry career where you can get paid well for doing meaningful work. All you need is the right knowledge and the right network. The Cheeky Scientist Association gives you lifetime access to the world's number one PhD-only job search training platform with multiple courses and the PhD-only job referral network of over 10,000-plus industry PhDs. Now is your chance to become a lifetime member for 20% off of the association. Just use the coupon code CheekyRadio at www.phdsgethired.com. That's phdsgethired.com. P-H-D-S-G-E-T-H-I-R-E-D.com. Simply type phdsgethired.com into your website browser, scroll to the orange membership button and click on it, then enter the coupon code CheekyRadio to get 20% off a lifetime membership now. No recurring monthly fees, no recurring annual fees, Nobody else offers this. PhDsgethired.com. Use the coupon code CheekyRadio. Remember your value as a PhD, and remember that knowledge is power, and your network is your net worth. Oh, 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 oh.